Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to This Is Real with Juan Martinez. And Stephanie Rave. Man, Stephanie, let me tell you something. It's been now a few weeks because of football yeah, that's that we haven't been on. Yeah, that's what happens when you're man. in Texas. You yeah, know, Texas football. is really big on football. <laughs> man, but we're excited to be back with you guys. And thank you so much, guys, for all the letters we keep getting from you guys. Please keep them coming in. Yes. Um, they're just amazing. They're encouraging. We've got, You know, I got a letter the other day uh-huh. uh, from somebody who was incarcerated who I gave a message. I, he put in 2009, I guess I preached somewhere. He was there brought meth up to the altar altar, Mm -hmm. and then i guess you know now he's like man i should have just kept following uh making the choice and so the guy's delivering out from drugs and all that it was pretty cool yeah that i guess it was you know that all of a sudden he you know we got that reconnect through the radio so big shout out to the guy who's kind of been uh growing now and uh just living his life for christ man and so keep the letters coming the guy you know 19 years in prison and looks forward to uh listening to the radio show every week you know yeah, we love we love receiving the letters and hearing the stories and how you know the show's impacting you and how excited you are to have fashion one back too come on that's, man that's a really big this is, part. This is cool I, I for me the most exciting thing is when we have guys like we have today yeah um i love having guests because i believe that when we can hear uh people who are witnesses for christ uh who have overcame some things and are doing some incredible things for the kingdom right you know, it's all about the kingdom. Exactly. Come on, right now everybody's freaking out out mm-hmm. there, man. But it's all about the kingdom. And let you know, let, let me let me let me introduce these these guys right here. I don't know. When I first met the first guy, I thought uh-huh. I I was blessed. <laughs> and then I met the second guy, and then it just added to the that blessing, man. Portion. It added to the blessing. God, lo- I know God loves me. Now yeah. you know it just. Just when you meet people that are generally passionate about Christ, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, it just does something for me. And so the first guy I had met, Scott Silveri, man. Dr. Scott Silveri is with us today, but also, I mean, we can call him the bishop. But my Let's man, go. hey, <laughs> Pastor Adam McCain, man, uh, Church on the Hill, how are you guys, man? Oh, we're great. Thanks for having us on. Oh, man. Thank you. Dude, you know what I, I love about you guys? You guys, I mean, y'all like that, you know, there's Christ and then there's cool. And like, when I look at y'all, I'm like, yo. Come on, prophesy. Come on, hey, let me tell you we something. That. Hey, let, let me ask you a question. You guys just came out with the book. It just launched like what? A couple days, right? Yeah, that's a great story, by the way. <laughs> the publisher needs to tell you about that. So we published this book on election day wow <laughs> it actually hit the market <laughs> wow it wasn't One enough it wasn't volatile enough. days in <laughs> the history of the united states right. yeah, it wasn't enough that the country's like you know there's chaos everywhere and like here's our book but perfect timing though yeah. perfect timing with the perfect kind timing. of book this is look at the look at the words we might think it's not but when you have a book entitled favored, favored not, not forgotten, forgotten it's a it's really a message that we need for just a time as this we could laugh at it and say man this is crazy what a what a time it was but god will do something like that just to bring some peace into a situation you know mm-hmm. look at the publisher he's like yeah that's yeah. what we do <laughs> the light in the darkness yeah right? no i mean when when scott said hey it's gonna it's gonna hit the shelves on uh, on election day i, I said uh uh, this election? <laughs> like, <I> said, <laughs> are hey, you man. serious? And he said, yeah. He said, I want you to post about it. I'm like, uh, wow. all right, well, sure. But we've had great response. We really have, you know, favored, not forgotten. Our, uh, yeah, it's just a cool, cool timing of the Lord. And like you said, I mean, it, you know, if you'll just keep in step 
as Galatians says, with the Holy Spirit. I mean, you, you will live the dream. Uh, yeah, you really cool. will. Just stay in step with the Holy Spirit. And that's what this was. I mean, we couldn't have planned something better. We couldn't have, you know, uh, researched and said, hey, it was, it was, by all accounts, it was just an oversight, wouldn't you say? I mean, it was just kind of like, it just kind of fit the timing. For yeah, how do you, hold on, okay, hold on, hold on. So, okay, I, I mean, I love the Cajun, because you know, Louisiana, you can see it, you can yeah. hear it. You know, oh, you're going to watch y'all right now. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the tattooed doctor, <laughs> the tattooed yeah. doctor that, uh, I mean, just straight up hardly looking, you know, and, and loves the Lord and is super gentle. Who can like break a, you with his pinky. Come I mean, on. Like, hey, I mean, <laughs> yeah. crush you. Yeah. Let's be not just looking, but riding. Come on. Oh, he says, I actually, you know, I fit the part. I fit the part. I mean, this guy, you know, I don't know. God keeps partnering me with guys who are like ex-detectives and ex-DEAs. I think God has a sense of humor, you wow. know. <laughs> but, hey, let me. Yeah, and, you know, we're, we're both from Louisiana. Uh, yeah. For, uh, yeah, and so we're both Cage. And, in fact, uh, Dr. Scott was actually the uh, chief of police of Thibodeau, Louisiana. You're mm. kidding. Yeah, uh, I, I knew what you believe. I just didn't know exactly where. Not in the bayou. Hey, hey, you know what the loneliest bayou in, is in the world? What is it? Bayou, by yourself. By yourself. Oh my <laughs> God. Yeah. Yo, okay, uh, Dr. Scott, how did you guys I'm meet? Like, I'm from New Jersey. <laughs> He's like, man, forget that. I'm from yeah. Jersey. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Jersey. I like. Oh, I, the only thing Cajun I know is the food. You That's know, it. Food. And it's the good. Isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, it's real good. It's legit. It's legit. It's legit. It's legit, baby. <laughs> uh, Dr. Scott, Dr. Scott, talk to us. How, how did you guys meet? Give me guys you know, meet. You, like I by retired. looking at y'all, I think a bar. But hey, yeah. <laughs> you know, I see the tattoos and everything. Club, like, yeah. But that's <laughs> yeah, it's not the case. No, no. You know, I retired. Uh, I was the chief of police, and uh, when I hit 50 years old, God told me to retire. And wow. I really thought he had something big for me, like bigger than what I was doing. I was a college professor and traveling the country as a consultant. And God told me to retire, that he's got work for me to do. Wow. And I walked off the job. I, I retired two weeks later. Wow. And uh, we, we moved from South Louisiana to Dallas and was absolutely devastated by the change in my life. It was, I was miserable. I was a um, wow. deep depression, despair. Mm -hmm. And our daughters got locked into this church that we never heard of, Church on the Hill. Uh, hey, the, the youth program so we said let's just stop by one sunday and, and see what's going on and we walked in uh into the most holy spirit love-filled church i've ever walked into wow and 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 it's adam mccain's church and then he mentions he's from louisiana hmm. so immediately on. after the service my my family, we went up we introduced ourselves and and we have never looked back from that point no. and wow, uh, and funny because cool. I, I shared a quick thumbnail sketch of of the Really, the hell that I've been through in my life after I retired, and, and Adam laughs and he goes, "Obscurity," <laughs> and I thought he was making fun. I didn't know. I didn't even know what obscurity yeah, yeah. meant. <laughs> and uh, I didn't want to tackle him on the altar. And I'm so grateful. <laughs> oh my god! Wow. And, you know, as he started to as he started to lay out the the truths of the wilderness season, and he and he over the course of that next year became my mentor and my friend, and and now co-author. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he looked at me and he said, Obscurity, what are you talking about? And I said, That's where you're at. Mm -hmm. He's like, What? Are you, what? what? The lonely I was like, Yeah, place. it seems like a lonely place. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I was like, Because I've lived there, so I know, yeah. I know exactly what you're, where you're at. So, yeah. yeah, so that's really what brought us together over the book. Right? Wow.
Yeah. That's awesome. So you guys both found common ground, you know, being from Louisiana. And then, you know, Dr. Scott, your daughter is, you know, having a, an amazing home church. How how long ago was that? And how did it really inspire you to come together and write a book together? Because that doesn't just yeah. happen. You don't yeah, just yeah. meet hey, someone. Hey, how or, are you? Obscurity. You know, let's write a book. That's my pastor. <laughs> let's write a book together. So what yeah. really inspired you to come together you, and write this what, book? I'll tell you what happened to me. So Scott, uh, he contacts me, I don't know, a couple weeks, months later, whatever. And he goes, he, he did it through text message. He said, hey, would you consider co-writing? Uh, a book with me about this obscurity thing that that we've been you know learning about and talking about and growing about right and, and my first reaction was like that that's my revelation holy ghost gave it to me wait a minute you know and that's when the spirit of the lord i mean pimp slapped me right upside the head and Come said on. that's your problem <laughs> that's the whole that's that's, that's the whole point, point about this whole this whole truth is that you're still locked into you've got to have significance mm. And you're scared of moments of insignificance. Mm. And I'm trying to bring you partnership. And I'm trying to bring someone who's a lot better at you. I, uh, listen, I have attempted to write multiple books. And guys, can I just excuse my French, but they all sucked. Come I just on. was terrible at it. I just I wasn't good at it. I'm a great public communicator, but just a terrible writer. Yeah. And uh, and so Boy, the Lord brought Scott to And so I said, okay. I said, Scott, let's do it. And when I tell you, he has picked me up, carried me on his back across the goal line. I mean, he's knocked down every defender. And uh, wow. and so I would write something, and uh, and I would send it over to him. And it'd take me, you know, 16 hours to write three sentences. And I would send it to him, and I said, man, I'm so sorry. I know it's no good. And he'd be like, oh, it's great, bro. Oh, that's great. Yes, he's great at I mean, that. English, I was like, I got that Cajun English going. He's like, no, it's great, bro. Do it. It's you. Sounds like yes, you. Yes. I was like, okay. And every time he did that, I got a little bit more confident, a little bit more confident. And I think, I think what God's done in this thing has really captured a truth that it seems like the church and, and really the world has missed yeah. and the beauty yeah. of this whole obscurity thing, this whole wilderness thing. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's good. Hey, let me ask you guys a question. What is, because we've tossed that word around a little bit. You know, I heard Scott say it, and then I heard you say it. Um, but there's probably somebody that is still wondering uh, obscurity. O-B. <laughs> what is obscurity? <laughs> Come on, hit me. Yeah, I can't <laughs> <laughs> We're like O-B-scurity. 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 Yeah, because that's a big part in the favored, not forgotten, right? Like it's a big part right. of the book. So what yeah. is the, what is exactly obscurity? Yeah, no, that's a great question. That's exactly what I thought when he mentioned it to me that Sunday morning. And and it, it's also associated with wilderness seasons in our life. Uh -huh. and, and of course, there's a whole, the, the Bible is, is explains so many of our, of our heroes all yeah. went through wilderness seasons, but really in obscurity, it's, it's like, uh, like PA just said, it's when uh, you, you, you feel like you've lost significance. Um, mm. Particularly for people that are in public positions or positions of authority, and then all, maybe you, you know, maybe you got a promotion. Or in my case, you know, I had a city that catered to me as the chief of police, mm. and I retired, and I didn't have a soul. No one knew wow. my name, and even worse, no one cared. And you know, in the in the big scheme of things, that shouldn't matter unless you rooted your identity in what you do, and not yeah. in who you are as, as a child of God. Yeah. And and that's where that's where Adam and I connected because he had also had a, a high, very high position, very public position. And then he followed God's calling like I did wow. and, and found himself in obscurity. And I really thought it was punishment. I'm like, man, I, yeah, I didn't think okay. I was a bad, but yeah. maybe I'm being punished. And he Adam really had to walk me through the, the purpose of wilderness. Yeah. 
uh, that it's not punishments, but it's preparation for God's promise. Yeah, and it really is favor, right? And so that's kind of the whole theme of the of what God's been doing. And he's trying to do it in the earth with, with men and women everywhere. Yeah. And we resist it, right? We resist that because we have this concept, I'm supposed to go from glory to glory. I'm mm-hmm. supposed to go from, I'm supposed to go from height to height. So the moment we feel like we're not at a height that we were before, we see that as an enemy. We see that as failure. We see that as being forgotten by God. Mm-hmm. And some of us are in that state right now. Some of the, some of your folks that are listening right now, you're thinking, wow, that is so me. I mean, if, uh, I thought God was going to use me in this, or I thought my life would turn out like this and, and so I'm a stay at home mom. And so now all of a sudden, you know, what happened to all my dreams? And so they, they, you know, we feel this, you know, forgotten, we feel this thrown aside, this left behind, if you will. Wow. And just the opposite is true. It's the favor of God. God loves us so much. See, no one is meant to stay at that top rung in the forefront uh, for for long lengths of time. It creates a dysfunction in you. That's why we see so many broken people in major areas of leadership because they're empty. There's nothing on the inside because they have no seasons where they get to rest, no seasons of wilderness, no seasons of obscurity where they can just redevelop and reemerge. And that's where the brokenness is able to stay at those top levels. And so we're all looking around going, how is this person still in leadership. How is this person still acting this way? It's because they've never stepped aside and let God really deepen them and fix them and correct them. And that's the beauty of obscurity. It really is. It's favor. Yeah. Yeah. He loves us so much. And everybody has to go through that. Like you can't opt out of that because when you're coming out of Egypt, you need a wilderness experience before you ever get to a promised land. You know, it yeah. doesn't matter who you are. If you, you're going to go through a wilderness season, the thing is, are we going to embrace that season as part of right. the plan? If we don't want to, are we're we? like, we want to go Egypt promise. Yeah, right. Yeah, Egypt promise. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Forget about the middle. Let's just skip that That's altogether. It. That's it. Pastor Juan, I was studying the life of the Apostle Paul Come in on. this real obscure season, and I recognize that it's a cycle. So here's what happens with the Apostle Paul. He is, gets radically rocked by God. Come on, we've all had that experience. Got radically rocked by God. Now, all of a sudden, he he's the, he's dude, he is the taste of the town. I mean, everybody's like, dude, this radical dude is getting, he's gotten saved. Now he's preaching and all the people in Damascus are fired up about him. In fact, they get so mad at him because he's rocking the religious leaders that the religious leaders try to kill him. So guess where he goes from there? They, they get him out of there and they send him, he goes into Arabia for three years. The apostle Paul's in Arabia after his grandiose conversion, his grandiose Mm. experience. And he's in nowhere out in the wilderness doing what's he doing. We don't know. The Bible doesn't even record it. That's how insignificant, whatever it is, is happening. And so then he goes in and he he literally, he approaches uh, the Jerusalem church and the Jerusalem church won't accept him. They don't think he's the real deal. And a Barnabas comes alongside and says, hey, he's the real deal. So now all of a sudden he's popular in Jerusalem. And man, he is in the synagogues. He's smacking the Come Pharisees on. and the Sadducees upside the head. He's, he's bro, he is the guy. He's the guy killing it on the post. Everybody wants to hear what he has to say. And the religious leaders threaten to kill him again. So the Jerusalem church takes him and drops him into Tarsus. For seven years, the Apostle Paul is in his homeland where he came from doing what? Making tents. We don't know. It's not yeah, a whole lot of yeah, anything. Yeah. Revival breaks out in Antioch. Come on. 
seven years after all of this and Barnabas says, let's go find that guy, Paul, and let's get him to help with this revival. He comes out of obscurity. Now he's the, he's the sexiest dude ever. He is, man, he is rocking Antioch, he and Barnabas. Yeah. Then the Holy Spirit takes him and has him planting churches, man, bringing revival, raising the dead, all of this kind of stuff. And then what happens to the guy? What then the guy is taken, put in prison, and he actually says, everybody's abandoned me. Wow. wow. He goes from being, listen, he goes from being in our era, he goes from being the Bishop Jakes, the yeah, yeah, Joel Osteen, the, the whoever, yeah. right, right. to he, that joker's sitting in prison. Nobody's even talking about him anymore. Nobody's following his post. Yeah. But in prison, <laughs> they unfollow. What does he do in obscurity? In prison, he writes the, the prison epistles. Mm -hmm. So here's my whole take on that. 2,000 years later, I've never been to the churches that he planted. Mm. I never met the people that he raised from the dead. I don't even know what he was like. But what he wrote in obscurity has changed my life 2,000 years later. That's See, we so think good. obscurity, we think these seasons are punishment, just the opposite. It's the deepening seasons. It's where you really become you so that you can be brought up front so you can then go back into obscurity so you can be up front. So you can obscure. It's a cycle, and it's beautiful. And if we'd embrace it, we would be the men and women of God we always wanted to be. That's unbelievable. That's so that, awesome. So all of this is in the book, right? Like, you guys Boom. are, you guys are bro I mean— I, yeah, that, that was like, and that is the end of the show. Like, that was like Thank good. Thank you guys for joining us. That We're going to wrap it up right that here. That was good because most people look at as, uh, the wilderness season as a punishment. It's in that word because we need to go through that season. It's really where you see you. Yeah. You don't know, you know, yeah. what kind of donut you want until you squeezed, right? Yeah. Like, the reality that's is right. that that is when yeah. you really get to look in you. And yeah. that's probably why all that was coming out of him in that time. Yeah, because people Think listening are probably thinking, you know, that sounds just like what I'm going through. I, I am yeah. in a wilderness season right now. Fact. And they're just sitting there thinking, well, I'm being punished by God, right? Like, this is punishment, Yep. right? But it's not. So share a little bit about how it isn't. It's actually a blessing to be in this season, because I know you guys talk about it in the book. No, you're right. You know, well, I mean, it is. You, you don't, like, like Juan said, you don't know what you don't know. And, yeah. and so for my case, you know, I'm thinking I'm, I'm, I'm very accomplished. I've got a PhD. I'm a chief of police. I'm Talk rocking it in the Come car, on. in the, in the natural Come world. On. Right. And then when God called me out to serve him, I thought those same carnal skill sets would apply into the spiritual side of service. And, and it wasn't until God pulled me away from that. And he also protected me from that because that's, yeah. you know, we get too locked into the worldly side, but the blessing comes in in the breaking off those strongholds. Like Amen. I didn't realize, I mean, I was, I was 50 years old and I, and I started to, uh, the, all the years of stress and PTSD from the job, all the years of a life from being a child, from being physically and sexually abused. Wow. I, I always hid that behind a facade. And it wasn't until God gave me that supernatural time out, the, the break from the, the mm. pressures of the world, that I was finally able to see, like, what is wrong with me? Like, you want to do better, mm -hmm. but you... But, but you don't know how, right? right? Because you're locked into this this, toxic, this cycle, yeah, this yeah. toxic cycle, and God mercifully gives you that timeout so you can see the 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 errors of your ways, right. and yeah. then just like pouring you know pouring new wine into into old wineskins, yeah, that that would be your blessing would be wasted at that time, that, yeah. right? Had God blessed me with with ministry and with a, with a heart at for service. Time. It would have been wasted in old wineskin. Yeah. Mm. So when he pulls you out and he gives you that opportunity to to reassess, uh, and like like Juan, you said, you know, you really get to see who you are, but more important, you get to see who God created you to be. Fact. Right. 
Fact. Yeah. Yeah. Fact. That's fact. Fact. Busted. But you yeah. have. I feel like with with what I hear you guys saying, when I say uh, see who you are, I feel like seeing you got to identify a lie. You know, everybody's always yeah. talking about know the truth, know the truth. But you, I, I feel like with this, you're gonna really be able to go in there and go, man, this is a lie. You know, you gotta identify that lie so you can properly assess, the, you know, properly add the truth to that lie. Because sometimes I feel like we know the truth, we know the truth, but sometimes there's some lies that we've adopted as truth. You know, um, yeah. can favorite? You know, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say, for me, what happened? My kind of life story was as a young minister. I had one of the largest youth ministries in the nation. Had a radio program. Was on, on. Christian television. Then I took over a Bible school. I traveled the nations. I'm standing in front of thousands of people preaching. Uh, you know, every weekend doing you had the dream. engagement. Yeah, the dream. Yeah, like I mean, the, the young ministry dream. Yeah. Right. And and I perceived that every time I ex the Lord told me to do something, He blessed it. He kissed it. And so I was I was favored. I was like the spoiled kid, right? Every time I just did what He said, and He blessed it. And th th I found myself for the first time. He told me to plan a church in my forties. I said, yeah. And I had my picture, like like Scott said, was that man. It's going to explode. They're going to come from around the world to say this. <laughs> Is the model of heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sitting there three years into this thing, and we have had a Gideon's revival. More people have left than have ever come. Wow. I mean, what we started with had shrunk down to nothing. And I am looking at God like, where did you go? I, and I started down three pathways, and this is what most of us do. The first question I ask is, what sin have I committed that you have abandoned me? Mm. And the Lord wow. smacked me upside the head finally after months of self-pity, and he goes, listen. He said, I love you. You are my son. I'm not punishing you because you've sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Get your doctrine straight. My doctrine was, see, my doctrine was on a merit system. If I did five good things for God, then he would do five good things for me. If I did five good things and two, and two bad things, then that means some bad things were going to happen because I had done some bad things and some good things were going to happen. And that was, that's bad doctrine because wow. what? He doesn't love me because I'm good or bad. He loves me because I'm his. He loves yes. me because I'm his. That's yeah. why he loves me. And so then I said, okay, that. if it's not that, I said, then there's something else. And it must be someone on my team is in sin. Who is it? Mm, Aiken's tent. Someone has hidden the gold and have kept Point us from prospering. Who out. is it? Point Point man, and I said, Stand listen, up. you did not want to be on my team in that day. I was like scanning everybody. And finally, Jesus... <laughs> Jesus punched me in my spiritual face and said, I had Judas on my team and I still healed the sick, raised the dead, and did what's supposed wow. to be done. Wow. Okay, okay. We got to so stop that, there. We got to stop there. We got to get the book. So they have yeah, to yeah. get the book. Yeah. They have to get yeah. the book. And, then, and listen, but wait, you got to get third okay, piece. The third it. piece was like, okay, then I missed you somewhere. I took a left turn when I was supposed to take a right turn. Mm. And I went through every prophecy, every decision. I became the most insecure person in the world. I had always been confident because I was rethinking every decision. I must have missed wow. it there. And finally, the Lord said, stop it. Stop it. I put you here because I'm doing, it's more about what I'm doing in you than what I'm doing through you. Always. Right. It's always about maturing you. With God, it's it always is. about maturity. Always. It it's his favor. Yeah. yeah. It's his favor. That, okay, okay. So everybody's loving. I know you're going to go get the book. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Listen, but here's the thing. Can favor not be forgotten used as a group study, right? Because, you know, it, this sounds like something you got to get around with yeah. a couple folks talk and kind of go over and talk it out. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Research a without pointing together. out who the bad one is in the room <laughs> and get together. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. Not with this. And uh, so I here's a couple questions I got for you. <laughs> Can you do this in a group study? Where is it available? Um, and do you have other plans for using this book? 
Yes, yes, and yes. So <laughs> actually, I brought a couple copies. Okay, oh, nice. it is. It's a study guide, and there's a leader nice. guide. Wow. And and what it does is just it walks you through the book. I mean, Come look, on. particularly for men, right? Uh, we like audio books. We we. I'm not a big fan of reading. I'll get about halfway in, and but you know, it you says the guy. publishing company who like to me. This guy is like I told him I was gonna make a shirt that said "Writing is not for punks" because this dude, <laughs> man. Oh I my god. We, Juan and I were talking yesterday, and, I, and he and he did. He gave me the uh, he gave him our new publishing company's motto, right? <laughs> writing ain't for punks. Writing, writing ain't for punks. Writing it ain't, punks. man. Let me tell you what. But, but you know what we did? We really felt that we wanted to break it down and walk people through because just like we're doing with you guys, yeah, mm -hmm. it's easy for us to explain it. And when you're there speaking with the author, it, it really gives you more depth than you're going to pick up in the book. Yeah. So we developed a study guide to do that, a study guide and a leader guide, and it's as if it's as if you know, PA and I right there with your group and we're walking you through and asking questions and prompting thoughts so that's all that's available at amazon nice. uh, and, and the book's available to all the distributors and then you know are there other plans you know our, our goals are our goal would be when god yeah. kisses it is that you know to to incorporate study groups and you know and even even whatever god wants for us to do we're going to be there to do it because it's a message he put on both of our hearts because he anointed our lives through that Okay. And, uh, and I would like to see a, a devotional come out uh, nice. in 2021 as a companion to this as well. Ooh, okay, where is it available at? Amazon. Where uh, everywhere. Amazon's usually <laughs> he goes, everywhere. 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 <laughs> Look, they're in the back of my car, chasing my <laughs> motorcycle. Hey, you popping trunk now. Now you popping trunk. Man. In my garage. <laughs> oh, man. They're everywhere. So, but you just you go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, iBooks, Kobo, anywhere, everywhere. Uh, it's it's available. That's, awesome. That's incredible. And so, listen, we want to have some fun with you guys. You know, we're all, already having fun. We're, we're already having fun. We're already having fun. <laughs> yeah, the, the listeners, well, the listeners always know that we love, we, we do our segments every week and we switch it up uh, segments. So, you know, you guys are authors, we know you're pastors, but we, you know, we like to keep it real. You know, yeah, that's why so. it's called This Is Real, right? So, Stephanie, For let real. them know what we're going to do first. All right. So, Dr. Scott and um, Pastor Adam, both of you guys, we want to hear the real, uncut, honest Come on. truth. So, we have a segment <laughs> keep called it raw. Struggle was real, right? So it's something where some of us might think, oh, he's a doctor, chief of police. You know, he probably ain't struggled through nothing. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah like they're you book said, writers. You know, they don't go through anything. <laughs> Pastor Adam, you are saying, you know, you had the little, the perfect, you know, spoiled baby minister, every dream handed yeah. to you, yeah. right? Um, but I'm sure you all struggled with something. So share with us something that you struggled with and how you overcame it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll jump in first. Yeah. So in this, I'll just do you a little a clip of a moment, and this will explain. So all my life, I've taught about how accountability, integrity, and character is the key component, right? Because yeah. uh, you want more anointing, but God's trying to get you to have more character so he can then trust you with more anointing. Mm. And so because you can't handle more of his anointing until you have more character. So I've always taught build character, build character. One of the things that I came out of before I was a Christian was just perversion. I, my, yeah. my mother was pregnant with me at 16 years years old out of wedlock. I never met my natural father growing up unsaved, you know, perversion was just how you lived. And so getting saved, that didn't just go away with the magic wand, you know, it just didn't water baptism didn't make me stop, you know, having lustful, you know, uh, thoughts and potential, you know, perversion, perverted lifestyles. So I'm years into ministry. I'm, I'm teaching, you got to stay accountable. And I try to never, ever travel uh, by myself, always have somebody with me. So I'm in Brazil. I think we spoke to 10,000 that night. Wow. And, uh, and so when I come, when I come back to the hotel, um, in the hotel and I got one of my spiritual sons with me just for accountability's sake. Right. And, uh, I'm on, we're on the 10th floor and, uh, we got the munchies 
And uh, all you ex-dope smokers, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> when Come you on. come down off the anointing, it's the same thing. When you've been preaching and miracles are happening and you get back to the room, you got the munchies, all yeah, right? It's just anybody knows what I'm eat. talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. That's why that's why preachers end up fat because, you know, we eating at 2 o'clock in the morning because, you know, we got the munchies. Yeah. So I decided, I said, uh, uh, and so my little, my little, my spiritual son, he's laid up in the bed, flipping the channels. And I was like, dude, I'm hungry. He's like, man, me too. So let me go down to the vending machine. I'll get us some. So I got my little shorts on, barely put my t-shirt on. I'm barefoot and I go outside. There's no, there's no vending machine on, on my floor. So I get in the elevator. I go all the way down first floor. Ooh. I get, I get, uh, I get, I get some snacks. I'm getting in the elevator. And all of a sudden, man, the elevator before the door was closed, this woman walks in the elevator. Yeah. The doors close and she turns and looks at me and she says, now I'm in, I, I'm barely in my BVDs. You know, I got yeah. a little sleep shorts on, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, you said be real. I, yeah, no, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. We, we love real. it. I'm love it. Here. Come on. No, no, no. You're good. You got no customers. My mom might be listening to this. Um, she's so, like, she's my, like, is that my boy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, not no more. Yeah, not no more. And so, uh, and so, this woman turns to me and she says, "How you doing?" And Ooh. I said, "Oh, fine." And she says, uh, "What, what you doing tonight?" I'm like, "I'm eating these chills <laughs> all week now." All oh, like, week. Hey, all week. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my game right there. And so, uh, and so. Uh, and and uh, and so she starts getting closer and closer and closer, and she says, uh, "Would you like to party tonight?" About that time, we made it to the tenth floor. <laughs> you skipped your floor. <laughs> the doors, the doors are opening, and I have that moment like Jesus. If you don't get me out of this now, that'll be the end of Adam McCain and any ministry I've ever could have done yeah. for Kingdom business. Yeah. And I look at her, and I said. Nope, and I take off running. <laughs> so I'm banging on the hotel door. Oh He's like, Did you get killed? Somebody tried to stab you? I'm like, Nah, man, the devil tried to get me. Almost got me. Yeah. We're so close. Oh, over some chips. Yeah. Over oh, some chips, bro. And from that point forward, we always kept chips in our bags. From that point forward, hey, man. So, how would you say you, you know, for a person that's out there, what would be the advice you would give on overcoming? You know, because some okay. people just keep falling. Some of the guys would have never made it. They would have never gotten out, yeah, 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 yeah. out the elevator. Let me yeah. tell you, I got this for you. This is why. This is the only reason. Everybody talks about, you know, if you have more spirit, Holy Ghost, read the Bible more, all that's good, fun stuff. That's yeah. great. But at the end of the day, I had a baseball coach that did this to me. He said, now, look, I played shortstop. He said, guy out, one man out, one guy on first base, the pitch is two and two. They hit you the ball, what you going to do? Before I ever the ball was ever, ever hit to me, he made me run some scenarios in my mind. What would happen if they hit it to the outfield? What are you going to do? And so before the ball was ever, before it was ever pitched, I'd already planned the scenario, what I would do when I'd gotten in that situation. That's it. And I'd already done that a million times, a million. My wife was confident if I ever gotten that. We talked about it. We prayed about it. Uh, yes, I had a praying wife. Yes, I was faithful to my commitment. I meant my commitment, but I had run the scenarios. And so it was muscle memory at that yeah. point yeah. it was not a conscious i would yeah. love to say to you i was spiritual and i had the strength and the power to make that decision i didn't it was all muscle memory yeah. that's, that's all good. it was and and jesus lord i think i think even like because it, 
without Lord, like, I don't think you would have went in the direction of, of that. You know, I feel like somewhere in your muscle memory, you've also, because you were practicing Lordship. That's what I'm saying. I, yeah. I'm saying I kept surrendering to Lordship yeah. Yeah. way yeah. before yeah. I got to the moment yeah. of temptation. I love it. Yeah, no, no that it. was predetermined. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have a thing like that. I, I do that today. Like, I call it yeah. playing out the tape. Like, when you play it out is. the yeah. tape enough, you know how the movie ends. And if you really that's want right. that, yeah. then you go in that direction. And if not, you don't. You know, it's kind of right. where it ends up, you know? That's good. Yeah. Well, All I, right. I've decided to follow Jesus. Come on. No turning Ooh. back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. watch Dr. out. Scott. Don't break out in a song. Don't break out in a song. Hit us, hey. Dr. Scott. What's yours? What's yours, Dr. Dr. Scott? Scott, the struggle oh was gosh. real. It was. <laughs> Well, you know, I tell you, he's like it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I I grew up in a uh, in a very dysfunctional home. My dad dominated our family. He was a he was a big stud, um, and silence was his weapon. Mm. We were not allowed. There were seven kids. My mom. We were not allowed to speak. We weren't allowed to express ourselves. If we were physically injured, emotionally, we never ever stepped foot in church. My entire wow. youth, uh, we weren't even a CEO. You know the Christmas Easter Easter. only. We didn't even show up once (laughs) or twice. I mean, it was it was a void uh, of any. But I always knew there was a God, and but of course your your impression of God comes from your parents, most of your dad. So true. So as a child, until I left for college, you know my impression of God was what I saw of my dad—a big, distant, violent, physically abusive person. Mm. So I avoided my dad and God to avoid getting hurt by either. Right. And, and, you know, you can walk away and you say, you know what? I'll never be like that. Mm-hmm. Be careful about judgment, right? Yeah. Because yeah. what you judge, you become. Ooh, that's right. And, you know, as, as I matured and, and married, um, I still, I had that same spirit of dominance and, and that was just, you know, and I exercised that over my family nice. and I realized that, you know, I had to break that curse. I had to break that, that, uh, that, that chain, the stronghold, and it was only through Christ, not by my own nature, because of my own nature, I'm, I'm like my dad, and of course, like my grandfather, like him, very strong, mm. dominant Italian men, um, not physically uh, abusive, but but emotionally, psychologically, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. we and we control through silence mm. and, wow. and just that intimidation, and I really did. I had to pray about it, and and I had to come to the realization that that uh, I. I had to, I have every morning I pray, I pray to the Holy Spirit. I ask for the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and it's only because he gifts me with those tangible bites of fruit every day that I'm able to exercise compassion and empathy. But no, look, and I fully, I'm fully aware. Like like PA said, you got a game plan, you know, and and same thing when I was a SWAT commander for 16 years, you know, I've been on millions and millions of SWAT roles, not physically, mentally Hmm. because I rehearsed every possible situation and scenario. And I do the same thing in my life. It's the exact same principles of preparation. And, uh, and you know, and then the other side of that is like, like PA said, we both got praying wives. Our wives don't put up with that stuff and they'll call us where it is. And we do, we all believe in that Genesis two 24, our two is now one. Yeah. And, uh, and my wife doesn't hesitate at one point where she was, she would be physically intimidated by, by my size or my, uh, my silence. No, she absolutely is my Azir. She's my equal, and and she's there to support That's me. That's powerful. And, and yeah, call, me, powerful. call me out. It, you know, I was so thinking, it, I'm it, glad it, I didn't get interrogated by you, like, back in the day, you, you know, because. Boy, what? Man, dude. Because think about what you're saying. You were in the flesh. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. you were. So, that silent poker game face with, like, you know, all that flesh, and you utilizing that as an officer back then, right? Because before Christ. I feel bad for the guys who are interrogating. You're probably like, what? 
You know, you know, and that's a point because it does that that behavior yeah. that manifests in every aspect of your life. Oh, you're watering it. You're you know? nurturing it. You're nurturing your flesh when you were doing what you were doing because you were consistently exactly practicing. Right. And it. look, and it made me a good cop. And I and I worked special operations. I did the hardest, most dangerous. I worked undercover for 12 years. Wow. I was always very ethical, very above board, but everything I did was hard, hard, hard. It was mm -hmm. trample the weak mm -hmm. and and uh, and what is it? Hurdle the dead and trample the weak. Yeah. I wow. had no compassion because I had no compassion for me yeah. so how could i show it to anyone else because yeah. i've never been shown compassion so wow. so that's where i mean god's really and God now you're a gentle giant love. now you're a gentle yeah, giant i was just gonna say really you know, right. it's, no it's you really i still crush you you are i will crush you gently gently oh my god yeah no i can vouch for that this man everything pastor adam was saying uh he is the same exactly with me. He's just always like, I'm like, oh, here I am, this ex-thug guy, right? That writing is not for punks, you know? And I'm like, I got to write this thing. And he's like, you're doing so good. You just feel so good. It's like a, yeah. it's like an air hug. It's like a, yeah. thank you. Yeah. I will write another. <laughs> yeah. And I expected it to all completely be changed when I turned into him. And he was like, no, nah, we kept all that. That was great. That was really I was like, good. Was like, man, that's not should... even good English. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> It's so that's Cajun English. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. He is he is definitely that man, and I honor you. And I mean, you're just yeah, awesome. Me too. It's just you're awesome. But okay, uh, so let's go to yeah. the next one. Yeah, those were great. I hope uh, a lot of you guys listening I think can I definitely got a relate lot out of that. to that yeah. <laughs> for sure. All right, so our next segment is called Dear Younger Me. Dear All right, Younger so we me. heard a little bit about y'all's background mm. and how you grew up, right? Mm, and all of us love to go back in time and say, man, I have this regret because I didn't do this. But you know yeah. what? The fact is, is that there's tons of people listening and tons of people out there who mm -hmm. can relate to the younger version of ourselves. And I feel like, you know, sharing our testimony, sharing our stories, Powers, you know, yeah. empowers those. So for Dear Younger Me, we just want you guys to take us back, paint us a picture of a younger version of yeah. yourself. Like, where were you, Dr. Scott? How old were you? What, go you back know, what to kind what of age you're going to you? go back to. Right. Yeah, so we want you to pick an age, age like. go back to that age, and speak to that guy according to who you're. You yeah. know, because a lot of times we're like, man, if I was, if I could go back, I wouldn't do that. Okay, so what age would oh, you go yeah. to, and what would you say? And I'm going to probably ask you another question, yeah. because I feel like we got some smart guys in the room here so yeah. so what piece of advice would you give yourself and where were you at yeah what, what age? were you at what age you yeah. well you know i i i would say at, at 12 years old that you was go to the 12 year old age yeah okay. that, 12 years old that was very significant and it because it was it was the first time that i was sexually molested by a high school teacher or by a school teacher mm -hmm. and, wow. and i come to find out later in my life that that she was a she was a serial predator wow. and every year wow. she would pick a student from that class and, and she would groom them and look this relationship continued until i left for, for college wow. and and what it did was it, it created in me like, like pa had said this this idea of love and a relationship in a very dark and perverted way mm -hmm. to under to believe that a relationship of love and caring was based on secrecy wow. right because that's what she fed she's like look if you tell anybody they're gonna they're gonna separate us you know yeah uh, and that and that was just the way she did it but you know i think back even before 12 i was the perfect victim and i'm not justifying what she did but i'm saying i was the perfect victim why because i never had the, the love and affection and affirmation in my wow. family mm -hmm. so i came looking i was like a lamb i mean i was just i was i was perfect i was a perfect prey 
And, um, and, and I don't say that saying that again, it's justifying what she did, but sure. it was because I didn't have it. We all have those father wounds. Yeah. We all have a need for love, security, yeah. purpose, and, and significance in our life. And it should come from our family. Yeah. And, and I didn't get it. So, I mean, the first person that paid me attention, forget the fact that it was an adult sexual predator. Right. Yeah. Look, I was happy. I was happy for attention. Yeah. Sure. So what I would tell my 12 year old self was number one, that I have to keep re reminding myself today is don't judge yourself. Don't judge little Scott by today's big Scott standards. Mm. Wow. And I think that's what keeps a lot of men locked in to shame and pain and guilt of their past, whether it was drugs, whether it was pornography, whether it was sex, whether it was even, um, um, gender uh, confusion or misidentification, right. uh, say experimentation, whatever the term is, you know, a lot of guys, particularly guys, because as adults, you don't, you're like, man, that ain't cool. That was never me. I was never a victim. Yeah. Stop judging little you by today's you standard mm. and give yourself a break and forgive yourself mm. because it wasn't so your good. fault. And what I would tell myself and I tell everybody listening is is that you were not responsible to what happened to you then, but you are responsible to how you respond to it now. That's good. Right. That's so good. And, uh, That's so good. So, That's so good. We'll That's good. Thank Just, you for sharing that. Thank Dr. you so that much so for good. being vulnerable and sharing mm -hmm. that. It's really, it's really good. Um, okay. Pastor let's go. Adam. Pastor Adam. Yeah. Yeah. So I would go to uh, 24 year old Pastor Adam who made a determination that I was going to be the most powerful minister the world had ever seen. Wow. That I would I would outdo Jesus by the time I was thirty. Wow! Wow! And, um, yeah, that's and powerful, so, man. Yeah, and and I and I had determined that uh, you know failure was for weaklings and that um, excuses were for um, sissies, and that I could you know move in the supernatural in such a way that uh that i would be considered one of the greatest ministers that ever walked the planet and so i lived my life and drove and drove myself and everyone around me to that quote successful goal line and um and i would say you know that brought to me all of the falsehood of identity so the moment that i didn't perceive myself as successful anymore I felt as though God had abandoned me. I felt as though I had, I had, I, I, I went into deep depression. And the reason that is, is because I had created a false sense of right. success. Success, according to scripture, is you and I doing our best to love the father, even as he loves us. That is the great, I mean, Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve and lay my life down for a ransom as a ransom for many. So I saw the trivial I saw the the everyday stuff as in the way of the supernatural and the power. And so there are so many people who are away from the Lord today because they probably did ministry with me in those days. They were they were a means to an end. They were a tool. And one day I heard Billy Graham after, you know, you know, he'd done his last giant crusade mm -hmm. uh, years after that, you know, Someone asked him towards the end of his life, they asked him, if you, if you could go back and change anything, what would you change? And Billy Graham said, number one, I would read the Bible more. And number two, I would take 12 men and invest my life in them mm -hmm. wow. like Jesus did. Wow. And I thought if Billy Graham 
doesn't read the Bible enough, I'm going to hell. I'm going to tell you that right now. I have no way I'm making it, man. Oh, my God. But but I would say that's what I would say to myself at 24. I'd go back and say, love his word. Love him for him and not what he's going to do through you. And take a couple folks and just spend your life learning Jesus together and discipling uh, them and, and making them better than you. And that great success is not how far did you go, but how many people did you lift above you? And I think wow. that's what Jesus did. And I think that's what I missed in that, in that era. And I'm happy to say that the Lord smacked me around enough for that to get me, you know, aware of that in my forties. Wow. <laughs> so hey, maybe it's turned. I'm, I'm going to ask you one more question on a dear younger me type uh, version. And you guys got about mm, two and a half minutes each. Okay. So I want to know, what would you say? Okay, because I'm passionate about marriage. You know, that's just my thing. You know, I'm passionate about a lot of things, but I just love the whole marriage thing. And, um, what would you say from what you know now in marriage to a younger version of you in marriage, according to what you know about your, your spouse? I'll jump, I'll jump in real quick. Yeah. One of the greatest revelations at this age in my life, I wish someone would have told me in my twenties is that the woman that I married will not be that same woman five years later, 10 years later, 20 years wow. later. Wow, wow. And that, and so I hear people all the time say, that's not the guy I married. No, stupid. When you married him, he didn't have any, <laughs> he, he didn't have a, you know, he had a truck. He didn't have, he didn't have a job. He was happy go lucky. There was no pressure to provide for you or three kids. There was no crushed dreams. No, he's not the same guy. No, she ain't the same girl. You made her that way, dummy. She's got three kids. No, she ain't as skinny as she used to yeah. be, stupid. What's wrong with you? No. After being with you for 10 years, yes, she's mean. I guess she is. And so, and so I think I think the big revelation that everyone could realize is that I have to relearn them. And the season that they're in right now, that that's the beauty of marriage. They're not the person. They're not the 20-year-old or the 25-year-old that that I married. They're not. They're a 30-year-old now that has all this stuff that has transpired, and it's beautiful, and they're beautiful, and they're magnificent. I'm relearning how they so how they have morphed in the middle of that, how they changed because of this, because of this tragedy of a lost child or losing their mom, who was their best friend. You know, that's changed them, and I need to relearn them. And we think that we don't have to relearn each other, and that's the big failure of marriage, in my opinion. Wow. Drop the mic. That I'm done. Dropped. Hey, that was, that was, let the, you know. should have let him go last. Hey. <laughs> Doctor, man, what would you go, what, you know, when would you go back when it comes to marriage? Um, and what would you say to the younger you uh, in marriage, yeah. according to what you know now? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I'll take uh, another perspective because you know my Leah and I were, we're we've both been divorced and we come with a blended family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, but, but to the younger me, it would have been that, you know, our relationship was not grounded in Christ. We were not living for the Lord. Yeah. Um, you know, we both were out of college and we really didn't want to go back to our respective hometowns and be apart. So we, we figured what the heck, let's get married. And, uh, and that it is almost, I would say about almost impossible. You, you might rack up anniversaries, you know, you can stay married, but unless you're living for the Lord, unless you're engaged in a covenant marriage, um, you're, you're missing out on the on the true fruits of marriage, and, and on the other side of that, uh, I would also to speak to yeah. to, to blended families, um, you know, to folks that that you know, there's a lot of mercy and there's a lot of grace, and you get into the doctrine and theology of divorce, and and you know, the truth is, most about 40% of America's congregation, Christian congregations, about 40% have been divorced, remarried, yeah. blended yeah. family situations, yeah. but they're made to feel inferior, uh, on average, by by 
my first timers is what yeah. we call them, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that's <laughs> failing to show mercy and grace uh, from from the leadership all the way down. Yeah. And really, to be honest, that's what keeps a lot of uh, second married people away from church. Yep. Uh, but the truth is, there is mercy and there is grace, right? I mean, yeah. I, I always love Jesus, the woman at the well. Yeah. You know, well, go tell your husband. Well, I'm not married. I've been married five times. Bam. I mean, if I was <laughs> Jesus, I'd be like, gotcha. gotcha. I know you're not married, and you're living <laughs> yeah. in sin. But yeah. what did he do? He didn't condemn her. Nope. He sent her back to to Samaria, and she witnessed flip three thousand people like Boom. that. Mm-hmm. There's there's hope for everybody, That's and there's right. hope for those uh, in their second or, or subsequent marriage because there is mercy and grace. And look, and if you got kids involved in that, kids that have gone through a terrible divorce, people say, "Oh, kids are resilient." Listen, kids hurt, yeah. kids suffer, but with a good Christ-centered covenant remarriage, kids can recover just like we can. So good. Wow, man. So good. And here we've been talking with Pastor Adam McCain and Scott's Dr. Scott Silverian. They have a book called Favored, Not Forgotten. Favored, Not Forgotten. Uh, Dr. Scott, tell us where we can get that book, uh, Favored, Not Forgotten. Where can we get that at? Well, you can everywhere. It's at Amazon, iBooks, Barnes & Noble. Uh, online is the quickest way. Ebooks, hardcover, paperback. Uh, that's the book, and then also the uh, study guide, which is a leader guide and a study guide for small groups, Bible groups, uh, even just to help facilitate your reading of the book on your own. Mm-hmm. So it is literally available everywhere. Okay, and so we got about another two minutes, and I want you to explain, just in case somebody just tuned in, uh, Favor Not Forgotten, just in about two minutes, what is it about? What is Favor Not Forgotten just in a broad, you know, laser focus what is what are they getting into because they've been hearing you now for maybe about 20 minutes and we talked about the book in the beginning they just tuned in and they're like what is this book about that they're talking about because these guys sound great so what is it about favor not forgotten is is the lesson that adam and i that god put on our hearts is based because we both went through a period of wilderness where we may be mistakenly just like most people when they find themselves out of the mainstream out of the influence when people aren't following their social media as much as they used to be and you start to wonder has god forgotten me mm. has god forsaken me and it is not when you god moves you out of the limelight into these seasons of obscurity or wilderness seasons that is a season for preparation for future promise god's about to lay an anointing on you but before he can pour new wine into that new wine skin he's got to break off the old habits the old chains uh, of oppression mm-hmm. so when we when we talk about favored not forgotten we really truly want you to understand the dynamics the tangible dynamics that you have not been forgotten by god that god loves you god favors you and he cannot wait to bless you with a new anointing wow uh, pastor adam you want to add up. something to that you want to add a yeah, no, I mean, I, I thank you guys for tuning in and hearing about it too. Yeah, it, for for us, this whole piece was that we're just tired of seeing Christians feel as though they have not measured up, and they're watching everybody else's posts. They're living in compare us sin, and they feel like my assignment is terrible right now because I'm not in the forefront. I'm not in the limelight. I used to be, or I had this, and now I'm not. And wow. and uh, and that's not God's punishment. That's God's favor because God is deepening you and Him. If you'll just let that happen, and then you'll come out like a storm for the next season. Wow. 
Man, well, let me tell you something, yeah. man. You guys, favor not forgotten. You can get it in all outlets. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you for all the words of wisdom and the encouragement. This is incredible. Yes, yeah, such I an amazing it. time. I love it, man. Don't forget to share, subscribe, do all those things. And we're just so grateful that we were able to talk with you guys, dialogue with you guys. Favor not forgotten. Uh, go get it. Make sure you it's available everywhere, as Dr. Scott would say. Go get it everywhere, man. If you are in, where is it, Dallas? The Dallas, Dallas. area. Church Dallas. on the Hill, man. You can hear this guy. Just rock it. They're incredible people. They will love you to heaven. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in to This Is Real. Be sure to watch us on YouTube at This Is Real with Juan Martinez. And if you're looking for a home church, visit us at getwrap.tv for all of the information or write us at P.O. Box 671-626, Houston, Texas, 77267. And we want to thank all of our partners for making this show possible by showing love and support. And if you would like to partner with us, be sure to visit juanmartinez.tv. We have uh, one thing that we love to call the heavy hitter Heavy so hitter. this week's hot track is maverick city music to you chandler moore marianne and joshua george and that's a, a rap. rap coming back to you not just coming but i'm running And what my eyes have seen Past the temporary yeah, I hear you beckon me yeah, To fall a little deeper Further than I've ever known I'm breaking through the boxes Yeah I'm running to your throne And I'm coming back to you Every other 